0: It's Tony Chapman, and welcome to Chatter That Matters. In this age of noise, I cut through the chaos and the confusion to focus on what matters most to your life, your career, your community, and our planet. At the beginning of every podcast, I ask an essential question. And then together, we go on a quest to mind for insights and identify the big ideas that will help you get to where you need to go. If you listen to my podcast before, you know that I start everyone with an essential question and then invite a guest on and we go on a quest to, to find out if there's answers. And the tougher the question, the more interesting to me, the podcast, and obviously the guest I need to bring on. And here's the question today. Are we being real with climate change? Are we separating fact from fiction? Are we hearing arguments from all sides so each of us can make a balanced opinion? I mean, the alarmists, they're calling for the end of the world unless we stop much of how we live and create livelihood in its tracks. They're demanding a major course correction on all our imperfections. Is this for real? And if so, how will it change our realities? How we work, how we feed ourselves, how we heat our homes, how we consume. And the other side, there's a movement, mostly whispers, but collectively they're starting to roar. In Europe, the European Realist Climate Network, in Canada, Climate Realism Canada. I want to give them a voice. I want them to push back because history has proven time and time again, that when it's a one-sided voice that shouts loud and shouts often, It's also a Trojan horse designed to change the power base and the status quo. My guest today is Tom Beekbane. I've known Tom for years. He's an extraordinary entrepreneur, one of the top brand strategists in North America, family man, a competitive tennis player. And he came out speaking his mind on climate change. And that takes courage because speaking your mind against the alarmist also takes conviction as you know you'll become their target. Tom, thanks for joining me on Chatter That Matters.
1: What a pleasure, Tony.
0: So I was going and looking back in your background, you have a bachelor's of science with honors in biochemistry and neurophysiology, sorry, neurophysiology from Durham University in the UK. That's right. What made you take that degree? And obviously you're a Brit, so I guess that's why you're there.
1: Yeah, from the earliest age, I, I just loved science. I, I can remember when I was five and six years old buying science books and uh, I would pour over them in my bedroom and... Uh, and, and that fascination has stayed with me. My, my grandfather was a, um, a veterinarian, my grandmother was a botanist, and uh, I, I just learned to love nature and, and to be curious about
0: it. And so you have this science degree, but when I first met you many years ago, we were just talking off, off camera, you were at Pepsi Cola. Package good, why did you sort of shift from a degree where you're on with all the science and the pedigree of your family and move into, uh, into a world of package good where you're selling soda?
1: So the reason, Tony, is because when I came to Canada, I met guys like you. And I, I, I just loved the, the sense of um, uh, enthusiasm and, and your uh, zest for life and i just said i want to be part of this and so i left uh, uh left england when i was 23 years old uh, all i had was a great education and uh 300 in my back pocket and uh i've i've had a fantastic life and canada's been very very kind to
0: me so before we get into this whole stance you're taking on climate because i think it's always important to get the uh the pedigree of the person i'm talking to so i know you had a great run at uh, Pepsi because you were a client of mine, really well-regarded, and then you decided to become an entrepreneur. So there's another pivot. I mean, science going into package good, what gave you the courage to uh, to go out on your own and uh, have the kind of success that you've had over the years because you're one of the, the top marketing brand strategy agencies in Canada, arguably in North America?
1: Well, well first, uh, why did I pick marketing? I picked marketing because it it, it needed logic, the logic that I'd learned in science. Uh, it needed writing skills, which was something that uh, um, I, I developed in my education. And uh, it, it, it involved art and, and I'd always enjoyed painting. And so I could put all of these things together and, and, um, uh, and, and have a rewarding career. So w- why did I set up my, my business? It was because I could. And in Canada, um, we, we had that opportunity. Uh, I, I met and was friends with entrepreneurs. I knew you at that time. That was back in, I guess, 1985. And uh, as you can recall, I actually approached you because I thought it would be fun to to start up a computer, a computer graphics business with you. And that was at a point where no one knew what computer graphics was. There was no such thing as desktop publishing, no such thing as you know, PowerPoint. And, um, and and that was the inspiration behind setting up my business.
0: And just for context, everybody, I remember that conversation. I've had a lot of people knock on my doors over the years. And time and I had good chats and I had a partner at the time and I tried to get the partner involved. And I think the lesson we both learned is because computer graphics didn't exist. I bought into you as the entrepreneur and how excited you buy it, but we didn't do a good enough job telling people why this would be the future. And looking back now, it's not only the future, it's it's the norm. I mean, it's it's interesting. So you built your business and you you've had great success over time, and now I want to shift again because it's almost like marketing, science, curiosity, creativity, have all come back together because you're making a stance that says, we need to get a little bit, a lot more real in terms of what is fact or fiction when it comes to climate change. So tell me a little bit about what that means and why you're pursuing this in this stage of your life.
1: Well, I'm an unlikely advocate for this, um, for this business because uh, I, I've, I've never been particularly interested in in uh, in climate change, and uh, I'm, I'm not politically active. Um, I'm you know not right wing or left wing. I just in, enjoy politicians who do do the right thing. Um, but I, I guess the way to explain the whole thing would be um, to recount how I how I got involved in climate change. Um, every every year for the last. I'd say 12 or 15 years. I've, I've gone to the Rockies and gone backcountry skiing with um, a bunch of guys and girls from the Yukon and uh, Calgary, and backcountry skiing is where you actually ski up the hill uh, before you can ski down. And uh, I, I like that because I don't like gas-powered motors. And uh, and one of the fellows there, uh, fellow who runs a or ran a um, a mathematical modelling business for um, pumping stations and and, and uh, sort of oil refineries. He um, he's always talked to me about um, his scepticism about climate change, and uh, and I've always been completely dismissive. Uh, it happens that we ski on glaciers, and and it's clear to me and clear to everyone that those glaciers have been receding. You know when you're on a let's say, the Wapta Glacier, you can see all the moraines. You can see where the where the glacier was and where it is now. So there's, 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 there's no way that you can deny that the, 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 the world has been warming. Um, anyway, he, he gave me a call this last summer and said that there was uh, a man in Toronto who wanted to run some climate change seminars really sort of talking about the science of, of climate. And uh, he asked me if I could help him market these seminars. And, um, and, and I said I would go and meet the fella, But I, I really am not in the business of uh, promoting events. That's not what I do in marketing. Um, but but I, I said I'd try and find an agency who could help him run these events. So I, I talked to all of my, my friends who run agencies of one sort or another. And none of them wanted to touch it uh the whole subject of sort of being a climate change skeptic is is toxic and uh, <clears throat> every time i talk to uh someone who ran an agency and i asked them if they could help they um they, they just ran away
0: so just just so we know so you're 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 on this uh, glacier, you're saying there's no denying that the climate's warming. When this person came to approach a seminar though, his approach was, it's not necessarily warming because of what we think it is. I mean, what was he coming out that everybody was so scared to be behind?
1: So uh, this is this is what's interesting. The um, the science of climate change is extraordinarily complex. Uh, it's, it's not like the world is on uh, an even trajectory You know, so it's been warming since the last ice age. Uh, If you if you look back uh, over the last 20,000 years, you find that somewhere like Toronto at one point was probably under two kilometers of ice. But um, since that time, we've gone through warm periods and we've gone through cold periods and um, and some of them have been quite extreme and they happen quite abruptly. But if you if you listen to sort of the climate orthodoxy, you would think that all of these changes that we're experiencing now are happening because of carbon dioxide. So anyway, in in, um, offering to help this fella, um, I couldn't find an agency. So in order to get rid of him, I said, you know, I'll only help you if, you know, we can do the communications and there are no conspiracy theories, it's apolitical, and, uh, and I don't have to say anything that I don't believe in. And, and I love science, and so I'm, I'm not going to start putting forward scientific theories that are incorrect uh, and, and haven't been validated. Um, and he accepted. So, uh, at that point, I started actually looking into the science and f- finding out just how incredibly fascinating the whole topic is and um and for instance here in toronto i learned that the highest temperatures that have been recorded in the last 100 years were in 1936 where the temperature was i think it was 40.6 degrees centigrade and we haven't gotten anywhere close to that in in the last decade but if you look but if you read all the headlines in the newspapers you would imagine that every year is hotter than at any point in the past. So I just I, I, I just started looking at the actual science, and the more I looked at it, the more I realized that the the headlines that we're reading in the newspapers and 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 what the CBC is telling us every day isn't actually representative of what real scientists are thinking. You know, you you, you hear that there's a consensus amongst Scientists about climate change, but just just a you know if if you have a just a small amount of knowledge about how science works, you realise that there's no aspect of science where there's a consensus like that, unless it's a brutally uh, simple idea, you know, like the inverse square law for, for Newton. But 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 every aspect of science that is interesting um, is up for debate and, and scientists love, you know, tearing apart theories, but for climate science, you find that it's not normal science and, and, and it's become, um, propaganda. And and that to me is very worrying.
0: So when you talk about propaganda, um, you're trying to counter it by this movement. This is website that you've got. Right, it's Climate realist, realist Change. It's called Climate Realism Canada. Yeah, climate, climaterealismcanada.com or is it .ca? .ca? okay. Mm. And, and on that site, I go in it and you're taking a pretty tough stance that saying this is propaganda. I mean, you've called caused some of this. You've even used the word Stalin to talk about how certain points of view are censored. You're, you're, you're talking about how this is going to be incredibly destructive to our economy that we're way overreacting. Before we get into a little bit about where you're forming your opinion, you're kind of one David against a lot of Goliaths. And some of those Goliaths are in like people like Greta Thunberg that are getting worldwide attention. How do you feel being the one that's sort of standing against this, this army and how do you think you're going to find a way to get people to pay attention to what you have to say?
1: Well, when when I started out, uh, I was very fearful because I figured that if you're going to argue the scientific case, um, it it would be very hard to get the message across because virtually no one is interested in the the details of of the science. So, um, you know, if if I was going to argue that carbon carbon dioxide, dioxide had sort of X percent effect, versus someone else who was saying it was like, why effect? Like, no one's going to no come along with, with me uh, with an argument like that. But what I, what I realized was that uh, the Canadian government is using carbon dioxide as an excuse to increase our taxes um, on the energy that we need to do everything in Canada, and in Canada, you know, we're, we're a special case because we're a huge country. Um, we need transport. We're a cold country, arguably with the coldest in the world. We we need fuel of one sort or another to survive. We also need it for our agriculture. We need it for our industry. Uh, we need it for every aspect of our life. So if you're going to start taxing uh, that fuel with a view that it's going to make us more environmentally um, uh, better, Uh, there should be a plan as to exactly how that's going to work. And and when you dig into it, there is no plan. The idea that we're going to tax fuel in Canada is is just going to cause industries to shut down, uh, it's going to mean that like households pay more to live and instead of it spurring innovation and spurring the developments that Canadians need in order to transition to new forms of energy uh, to clean up the environment to clean up the wastewater that that very often um, you know it's it has not been treated uh, we when we need a vibrant economy in, in in order to look after the
0: environment but the experts would say that but well, we don't have time because if you take the alarmist they're saying if we don't make a dramatic move to reduce the amount of fossil fuels it won't matter because this planet will stop spinning you and you're challenging that whole scientific argument that carbon dioxide is the primary reason why our planet's heating that's right yes um i I think
1: nearly everyone has seen uh, an inconvenient truth, which was the Al Gore documentary that was um, that that was released in 2006, and and we've had a whole generation of of kids and uh, teachers who have seen that, and they believe that that is representative of the science, and indeed, if you sort of rewind the clock, um, it's possible that Carbon dioxide could have been a greenhouse gas and a pollutant in the same way that you know other pollutants have um, had harmful effects like lead in gasoline or um, CFCs and their effect on the ozone layer um, but but if you if you um, look at all of the the, the forecasts that have been put out by uh, the political body, which is the IPCC, the International Panel for Climate Change, you, you find that um, all, all of them and everything that was forecasted in Al Gore's movie just hasn't happened. So in Canada, we've just got to be aware that there is no climate catastrophe. So if if we were in a house that was like on fire and we had to do something about it, it justifies like jumping out the window, you know, grabbing your kids and jumping out the window and possibly hurting yourself because you don't don't want to get burned up. But if you're in a house and you you smell smoke and you're not sure what that smoke is or what's causing it or how serious it's gonna be, it makes sense that you actually learn about the smoke and learn about the potential dangers before you choose to leap out the window then hurt yourself. And right now, we're leaping out the window. And we should talk about it and understand the science before we leap.
0: But again, I'll go back and say the people that believe they're, they're this cause that says they point to carbon are saying, we've talked for decades, and we're still talking, and the world's heating up, and the you know the glaciers are melting, which you talked about. The oceans are rising, and they feel that the best way to turn the switch off is carbon. Why do you feel there's scientific evidence that disputes them, and why aren't people listening?
1: The the the, the, the reason that um, people don't know about this is because um, the whole uh, Climate change movement got got started because of very real concerns about um, pollution and overpopulation and chemicals in the environment and uh, and 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 smog and you know badly designed cities and uh, muscle cars and and uh, the whole sort of if you like the North American culture and that it. it was very hard for Al Gore and other politicians to mobilize the population to get worried about something that people weren't worried about. You know, so, so a car is you know, spewing out black smoke. Well, it's, for most people, it's not such a big deal. Um, so they, they used carbon dioxide as the reason to galvanize everyone who was concerned about the environment and, um, and, and, and to uh, give politicians the reason to uh, introduce laws and to increase taxes and to move towards systems that I guess would be, um, uh, you, you might want to say, sort of socialist. Um, and, 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 and people, um, you know, p- People were worried enough about the environment that they went along with with th- those arguments. But but the problem with that is we don't tackle many of the things that we need to tackle that relate to the environment. You know tr- you know trash the, the the incredible amounts of trash that we're we're generating um, the p- p- the polluting of water. Um, the the, the the destruction of ecosystems. Uh, the, the, very, very few of those things have anything to do with carbon dioxide. And so to imagine that carbon dioxide, which is uh, not poisonous, it's plant food. Um, and for Canada, actually, higher, higher levels of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere are likely positive for um, for, for our agricultural p- productivity. And even if the temperatures go up by half a degree in 50 years or one degree, it's actually good for Canada. Um, but but whatever your position- it be good
0: for Canada, but awful for other parts of the world, right? So, I mean, we have to do, it's fair to say that we can't just put a, a 49th parallel in our borders and say what's good for Canada I mean it, it, we have to we have to think of ourselves as, as citizens of a that, planet. that's
1: that's true um, if sea levels were rising as uh, f- you know faster than they would have otherwise because sea levels on average are rising very slightly um, if carbon dioxide could be shown to be accelerating that um, then it would be a cause to do something about it. But if you look at the actual numbers, uh, you find that that isn't an issue. And if you look back over the last 3000 years of human history, the times when it has been warmest uh, in Africa, in around the Mediterranean, in North America, in China, the times when it, ha- it has been warmest have also been the times when it has been dampest. So it's not like you burn up. Um, And and they've been times that have been the best for humanity.
0: So there's a couple of things I want to just clarify. One, you're saying you use the word if carbon was to be proven that way. How, where's your mindset on the sense of carbon? Is it just a Trojan horse because it's an easy thing for the public to understand, therefore it's an easy thing to tax that, that, and that's, that becomes the North Star for climate? So in other words, it's just being used almost as a magician's trick, a sleight of hands, or do you think there is any merit that we are producing too much carbon? I, I think that m-
1: most people don't understand the difference between let's say carbon dioxide and carbon monoxide. Carbon monoxide kills you. Uh, Carbon dioxide is what you breathe out and is plant food. And if it could be shown that carbon dioxide was having uh, an adverse effect on the environment, we should do something about it. But that evidence has not been coming in. But Climate Realism Canada's uh, position isn't to argue the science. Uh, It's to point out that there is no climate catastrophe. No no credible scientists are saying that we're going to be burning up in 20, 30, 50 years. No one. There's no evidence for that. Uh, So there's time. There's time for us to put in place policies that are going to be beneficial for Canadians and beneficial for the environment. So we, we should be talking about this at the very least. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't really matter about the details of the science. If you're not interested in the science, you don't need to worry about it. But, it, but it's actually fascinating. And, and I think it's important that kids are taught in school not to be afraid of the future. They should be taught that uh, science is, is not determined by consensus. Uh, it's a continual process of argument and discovery. Uh, it's exciting and it's awe
0: inspiring. So your, your point then that you keep, that I think that we're, what I like and what I'm hearing about you is the sense is number one, don't be afraid of the future, but the second thing is that we need to be, have a better understanding. And right now, the alarmists are sort of portraying this as the end of the world. The deniers are saying nothing's happening but maybe in the middle where it should be good conversation considerations what can we do as humans to be better for the planet is that fair mm-hmm. yeah so so the um, when i talked about the fact that you've sort of got one slingshot because you're you're this is a dangerous place for you to play because every time i've been on the radio and we've talked about climate change you know, the sense that the second that you kind of deny your question or challenge, you get this massive blowback by going, no, that's not what's happening. So they've done a very good job of winning over the head, heart, and hands of the majority. People think, feel, and behave a certain way because of climate. And the government's used it as a way, as you said, to increase taxes and, and major policy decisions. How do you counter that so that the mass removes their biases and their blinders and starts having the kinds of conversations you're hoping for, which is to say, let's have a more balanced view and let's make policy decisions that keep the economy in balance. I, th- I think that it's starting to happen that that
1: change is starting to happen anyway, because when you get demonstrations across the country that, that, uh, stop infrastructure projects, stop, uh, commuters getting to work, um, that chases away investments like you know, $4 billion from Warren Buffett that has now vaporized. When, when those things start to happen, people connect the dots and they say, uh, this panic about climate is harming Canada. And it's quite possibly gonna tear this country apart because Alberta is, is just feeling justifiably aggrieved. Now, for them not to be able to continue um, looking after themselves with their extractive industries is is going to harm their uh, economy. It's also going to harm our tax base. And it's going to reduce the amount of money that is raised in taxes and goes into education. So I think Canadians are starting to Realize that this alarmism has long term implications that are not good for Canadians.
0: But how do you get so? Let's assume that they are started saying, Well, my livelihood's being affected, my future's being impacted. But at the same time, they've still got somebody in the shoulder saying, Yeah, but if you go over there, you're, you're going against this whole argument on fossil fuels. I think you also need to make, get people to open their minds to the possibilities that fossil fuel so what you're saying isn't the evil that a lot of people are saying it is
1: yes i i, I think one of the one one of the things that i tried to do is is change the narrative because the narrative before was you, you, you either cared for the environment or you were being paid by the fossil fuel industry and and the the argument should really be to recognize that Canadians depend on fossil fuels, and that if we're going to replace fossil fuels, we need some viable forms of energy, uh, and that windmills, wind turbines, aren't going to do it because they're extraordinarily, uh, well, they produce energy intermittently and their energy ends up costing up to nine times more than traditional forms. So so right now, windmills and solar panels aren't going to do it. So we need to be having a, an adult conversation about the alternatives. Um, so what I've been trying to do is change the narrative about uh, the, 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 the sort of the science versus the, the, well, the people that believe in science against those the people who who don't believe in in climate change Uh, and saying, irrespective of the details of the science, which anyway are extremely interesting, um, we we, we should be having uh, a conversation about energy and environmental policy. That um, isn't isn't based on a, a, a panic that the, the, the next generation are gonna um, burn up because of something that their parents have done. Uh, we, we we just need to um, w- w- we need we need to be sensible and, and to 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 deal with this whole question in a Canadian man, in a Canadian manner which isn't like, you know, hyper-partisan, but it's intelligent, it's understanding, it's entrepreneurial, and um, it's optimistic about the future.
0: So if my listeners wanna find out more about what you're doing and the policies, which is the best way for them to do that?
1: The best way is to go to our website, which is uh, climaterealismcanada.ca and um, fill in a little form there, say you're interested. uh, and, and, and we'll put you on a mailing list. The, the other way of helping is is to learn about the subject. Um, we've got a, a lot that's explained on Climate Realism Canada. Uh, we try and explain the science in ways that uh, are understandable for non-scientists. Um, but but the, the other way of helping is to start to push back against people that um, jump to this you know, climate catastrophe. And, you know, if you see something on social media that starts talking about how the polar bears are dying and we have to transition away to a new society, you know, based on new ways of uh, doing things, you, you you know, push back and say, there is no climate catastrophe. ask, you know, how much do you really understand about um, what carbon dioxide is? And if, if you if, if you don't want to use fossil fuels, well, don't. Switch your heating off, don't use your car, don't go on an airplane. Um, don't be hypocritical and, 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 and challenge people because um, we have to be a lot more real about what it is to exist in
0: Canada. So I was talking to Tom Beekbane, uh, scientist by training, brand strategist by career, who stepped, uh, stepped in front of, uh, uh, of 10,000 Goliaths who are uh, raising the alarm about climate change. And in his slingshot, uh, he's got one rock and he's saying scientific evidence and he's trying to i think what we're hearing and the things i learned today from tom is first of all is i think it's so important we open our minds to other people's opinions we listen generously we get curious we don't just you know run with the herd we stop for a moment and and do enough reading and thinking and talking that we can form our own opinions two Got to have courage because it's very easy to stick your head in the sand and say, of course I'm for this or for that. But if it's true, this, that this loud voice is ringing such an alarm that has the ability to absolutely take down everything we love about Canada. And he, Tom makes some compelling arguments. Fuel is the oxygen of capitalism. We need our fuel. And if the government continues to tax our fuel, they're taxing us away from being competitive. And that means our jobs and our lives. So I think it's an, that's an important point to have that sort of conviction and curiosity goes with it. But the third thing I think that Tom Beekbane t- has talked about today that I think applies to a lot of what we're living with nowadays is Fight your way to the middle ground. Don't be afraid to listen to the alarmists and the extremists, and don't, or the people that are passive or the people that are deniers. Everybody's got an opinion, but the more the people stand in the middle and form an opinion based on what matters most, their life, their livelihood, their community and the planet, the more they will matter as citizens of Canada and citizens of the world. Tony Chapman, thanks for listening to Chatter That Matters.
1: You've been listening to Chatter That Matters. If you haven't done so already, subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. You can connect with Tony on Twitter at Tony Chapman, through LinkedIn at Tony Chapman Reactions, or visit his website, TonyChapmanReactions.com. Chatter That Matters is produced by Tony Chapman Reactions and Eye Contact Productions.
0: I'm Dave Trafford.